Welcome to the Daily Combat Podcast. In this episode, we bring you fifth Dan Black Belt and Karate, Matthew Charles. The Daily Combat Podcast is brought to you, as always, by Olympic hopeful turn boxer and all-round sporting polymath, Isabella Rossitano, arm wrestling influencer, Hollywood Matt Connolly, and combat sports ring announcer, Dave Stockbridge. This episode would not be possible without the support of our sponsors, and this week we would like to highlight Matthew Charles' very own Karate Academy, Casey Elite Martial Arts. Having grown to be one of the largest and most respected martial arts organizations in the country, Casey Elite Martial Arts ideology is based on respect and loyalty with the instructors priding themselves on being the role models to each and every student. You can find out more about Casey Elite Martial Arts at their website www.karatecranborn.com.au And now, join Izzy, Matt and Dave as we welcome Matthew Charles. We are ready. We are in in with Matthew Charles. So my introduction, I'm going to be highlighting the illustrious career in karate that you have had, which was uh, inspiring to read. It's, it's one of those things, you seem to be one of those guys that um, as soon as you find one of those sports that it just grabs hold of you and, and you, it becomes your thing and part of your life, and it seemed to be that way for you with karate. In years, I, I struggled with the combat side of it, you know, and I, I, and I see that with my students today who don't want to fight, who don't want to take part in that side of it, um, but it becomes something that you just can't avoid, you know, mm-hmm. you've got it confronted, and for me it was confronting that fear. And you, so you didn't have any uh, other experience in any other martial arts, you hadn't been around uh, any structured kind of um, fighting, no boxing background. Uh, at that point, and, and what what was at the basis of, of your fear of violence at that stage? What what made you skirt away from it? Um, probably from family violence, to yeah. be honest. Um, I, both my parents were alcoholics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I grew up um, in and out of foster homes, yeah. um, and was around violence my whole life. And to me, violence meant uh, fear, yeah. uh, torture. Um, you know, abuse, neglect, uh, all those emotions. So Mm. for me, uh, the thought of combat was um, being oppressed or being assaulted or um, it it never seemed like an equal partnership or an equal agreement. Mm. Um, I suppose that's that's why I was afraid of it. I I had the reason those first sparring sessions I wasn't trying to learn to fight to be able to stand up to anyone. It was strange. I just wanted to overcome. I didn't want to be a, a, a famous combat athlete or anything else like that. I just wanted to conquer something that I knew was going to hold, hold me back. Mm. Strange. Strange, yeah. And you seem to have conquered that fairly early on. And after you kind of overcome that initial hesitation, it seemed that all the barriers have been knocked down because you continue to progress. So what led you to continue to progress in the sport after you'd overcome that initial fear? Or did it take some time for that to overcome and for you to reconcile your previous experiences of 
uh, abuse and, and violence in the household with that of uh, approximating a sport and, and self-defense and, and a structure and uh, violence in the in in a controlled environment that that wasn't directed at you to be honest it, it took a lot of years and it took a lot of um, I suppose I, I you've you've heard the expression fake it till you make it and I kind of adapted that uh, to myself for many years and, and to be honest I lied to myself a lot hmm. And I told myself that, yes, I, I could handle this and, yes, I was over it. Yes, I could um, face anybody and, and you know, there was nothing out there that that I couldn't handle. But the truth was I, I was paired petrified the whole time. Yeah, wow. Um, and I just kept... I, there, was, there was just something that was in me that just kept telling me just to keep at it, keep at it, keep at it. Mm-hmm. And eventually one day I'd overcome it. And, and this was going right up until... Uh, Way back in, you know, before 2000, um, when I was grade, grading for some senior ranks, um, and I had to do, you know, the, the, the first series of of, um, of commentary rounds where you know it's all bent up, knocked down stuff where you've got to get through 50 rounds, 40 rounds, 30 rounds, or whatever the case was for each of your grading, and. I was terrified the whole time. Mm. As well, you probably should have been. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't know. It was was one of those things. I I I wasn't afraid of it until one day I actually had a student in front of me who was terrified to fight me. Hmm. And it it just sort of dawned on me at that point that I was once in his shoes. I was once in his position, and I saw it from the other side. Hmm. And taking Mind you, he wasn't even my student at the time. He was, he was, he was just a classmate who, yeah. who had joined. And I think that gave me then the inspiration to say, well, I need to teach other people um, how to overcome this same thing because it's everywhere. Mm. And humans have in them the want or the need or the desire or the DNA, really, mm. to close their fists and and to fight each other mm. exactly the same as every animal on the planet yeah um, but we have a gen- generation of men who were scared and they're mm. frightened for, for whatever reason mm. um, I know I had my, my, my reasons yeah um, and I wanted to help them overcome it so for me that, that, that was kind of a signal that it was time to become a teacher mm. and I suppose again fake it till you make it <laughs> I decided that you know that, that the only way really to overcome any of this was to uh, teach others. So that's where the te- the, you know, the, the teaching journey began. Mm. And funnily enough, that's where my fight career started from because I didn't want to go to Japan. I didn't want to go to Thailand. I didn't want to fight those guys. They're bloody animals. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I, I've got all my students here who who, who believed in me and they had dreams of wanting to do it mm. they had dreams of wanting to go to Japan they had dreams of being these things and uh, the only way that was going to happen was if I opened the doors for them and, and I got past my fear and I got out there and I did it mm. um, and at that stage I'd met a teacher who I've been training with now for 10 years which um, seems like a long time but you know, martial arts journey has been that third of my journey, but when I first met him, um, Kancho Sifu, beginners, 
um, was probably the first teacher that actually believed in me, not so much for being a fighter, but for being somebody who, if I set my mind to something, I could do it. Mm. And um, he said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll put you in the 2016 World Championship to fight for Australia. And I went, wait a minute. I don't know if you want to do this. <laughs> but I just thought, well, the only way that I'm going to get a student there is, you know, ever is is to take part and, and it wasn't about winning titles it was really it was about just opening doors and again overcoming fears yeah. and I'll never forget the lead up to that really the journey is the journey um, the fight was the fight but what led everything that led to that particular moment was such a culmination of so many different things mm. and having so many people who believed in me and at the same time having so many people who protested against me. Mm. Um, and all of that sort of culminated to the point where there I am, standing there with the best in the world. And the funny thing was, was I was hanging with them. Yeah. And it seems to be a very much a brotherhood or a camaraderie that happens. Is and I put it down to being humbled constantly. Where you know yes. you, you come in with an Absolutely. ego and you're going to get destroyed, basically. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you've got a hole, expose it and then stick your finger at it. <laughs> yeah. you know that you're the best in the world because there's someone just around the corner and they're usually tougher than you are yeah, that's, right. that's right so this all very much started off as a personal development journey for you and it sounds like almost you stumbled into karate and it could have almost been anything but you just had that early affinity with karate because of that early touch point and then that's kind of rolled on from developing your skill set to then ultimately testing yourself against the, the best in the world. When you're at that cusp of, you understand that you might be at a national level, but now all of a sudden you're, you're expected to perform uh, internationally and the responsibilities, I guess, you felt at that time of not just representing your country, but really the, the hopes and dreams of perhaps that next generation that are now looking up to you. Um, how different was that person that was now on the international stage to that person that first walked into the dojo the first day? And, and perhaps if you can uh, share with us uh, perhaps what it, what defines the difference between that young man that first stepped into the dojo to the man that was now representing his country? It's funny. It, it, it began with a choice. Um, and... As you know, there's, there's, or, or, or if you know, there's no, there's no moment in anyone's life where they go snap and everything makes sense, mm. and you you become the version of yourself that you want to be. Mm. It's that next choice that you make each particular time. Mm -hmm. um, for me, it, it was the choice of do I go and watch this class, and then the next choice was do I take part in a class, and then I remember very clearly standing on at the edge of the ring. The announcers called the name, and it was a very big fanfare at that particular point in time. I don't know if you guys have been to Japan, but um, the arena is they're huge and it's absolutely packed. And there's mm. thousands of competitors, and there's all the masters who been on on the edge of the ring right there. And I thought I've got to make a choice. Mm. And it's the same choice that I made that same day. And to be honest, there was nothing different from that person to the kid who decided to do his class. 
And have there have there been other influences outside of karate that have helped you make better choices over the years as you've gone through this oh, journey? Yes, absolutely. My mm-hmm. wife, for one. Oh. <laughs> Better uh, mention her. Yes. <laughs> I'm actually fortunate. I married the girl of my dreams, oh. and she was she was stupid enough to fall in love with me. <laughs> and she's standing next to you now. <laughs> <laughs> Just say that again a bit louder. I've had lots and lots of good influences in my life. Um, and, I, and, and the reason why I, I was able to recognise those really good-hearted individuals is because I've had the worst of influences in my mm. life as well. Um, and I suppose I, I, I see it as something very, very fortunate. Uh, the only reason that I'm as grateful to have a roof over my head today was because once... I didn't, and the reason why I'm so grateful to be loved today is because once I wasn't. Mm. Um, so I, yeah, I, I've, every person has contributed in some way, good, bad, or indifferent. Even the people that have done, you know, it, by my perception, have done wrong by me. Uh, it, their perception might be something completely different. I don't know, but mm. it's all of these people have shaped me. I mean, you were really talking a lot about um, you know, overcoming fear and that you find that a lot in, in these sorts of sports with martial arts, you know, that that is a common theme is that uh, uh, you are constantly facing physical danger. Um, you know, if you, if you haven't done your homework or you haven't put in the effort, it's, you're going to be exposed. And even if you have done everything right, you can still step in and, and lose in 10 seconds. You know, it's a, one of those risks that you've got to take. It's um, it's definitely a a face your fear kind of sport, and I think as we were saying a second ago, you know, that's where that humbleness really does uh, come from, and and you do find um, that you can avenue that into other areas of your life where it's sort of like, well, nothing that I've have faced today is going to be as hard as that sparring match I had last night, or or anything in those terms. Yeah. So do you think it's that voluntarily facing a challenge or voluntarily facing that, that thing that's biggest in front of you, that hardest thing to do, that, that, that person you don't want to confront? And, and you can see that in your own life, whereas previously you, you, you weren't in a position to voluntarily face the evils that had confronted you. But as you'd grown and developed uh, your skill set through martial arts, developed your mind, developed your body... Uh, you're able to voluntarily now face the imminent physical danger that might be presented to you. And is it from that voluntarily facing that challenge that you've been able to draw a great deal of strength? And do you think that's perhaps the example that you're you're setting for those people that are around you that look up to you? Yeah, well, I, I couldn't agree with you more, to, to be honest. And, and yeah, probably the first person to ever put it to me like that. Um, and again, it is a voluntary thing. I suppose what I volunteer, putting myself in harm's way, being hurt, being upset, being emotionally scarred, I'm volunteering for that now because I know I have the strength and character to be able to do it. And, and, and to be honest, it, it's never been put to me that way. Um, and I'm going to steal it. <laughs> I definitely do that. And and when you voluntarily put yourself in front of uh, 50 black belts in order to, to test yourself, uh, what goes through your mind the night before a challenge like that? Everything. Was it a restless night? Have I prepared enough? What, you know, what could, could, could I have done? Yeah. Um, and then when on the 
day, it's it's you've you've got to put all of that behind you and say, like, hey, I've done everything that I can. I trust I've given myself every opportunity to get through this. Um, there's no point for regrets at that point. You've got to get through it. Mm. And really, what choice have you got? Quit yeah. um, or, or survive. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference, too, that you see between um, things is uh, people either survive things or they thrive. Mm. Um, and it, a lot of times with my students, it's, it's not about being absolutely proficient. It's about being adequate enough. And what what led what led you to be in that position in the first place to be confronted with that challenge? Uh, is was that a, a progression that you'd worked up to, and, and something that would had been a goal for some time? Or was it just an opportunity that presented to you? Well, I did the 50-man commentary here in Australia with, with some of my students, and they were uh, doing it for their show, their black belts. Um, and I figured um, I wasn't going to let them do 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 it on their own. If they think that I can do it, then, yeah, I'll give it a shot, absolutely. And was there, and, and was there any, any point during that that you thought, can I, can I go on, should I go on, is now the time I stop, or... Did you feel powerful all the way through many times? Yeah. Absolutely. Every, every time I got kicked to the ground, it was just, I just got to get up all the time. Mm. You know, knowing that I still had another 20 rounds ahead of me. Mm. Um, and these guys were uh, totally easy. Yeah. So I hit the ground and my legs were like jelly. And, um, and I just remember thinking, I've just got to get up. I've just got to get up. Yeah. Um, so I, was in, I, I was in Thailand training for my fifth. You need it for standing and kicking and well everything to do with karate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> take you to recover did uh, what kind of injuries hung around with you for a little while after that I'm also muscle fatigue mm. uh, I think my body was so well conditioned that you know you can punch me all day long and I'm, I'm not going to get hurt yeah I'm sort of notorious for not bruising at all oh. sort of, I'm being bad for that long I suppose and it doesn't happen all that much um, and I think if you keep a good percentage of body fat on your body anyway that, that, that also helps to stop bruising yeah that's my excuse yeah <laughs> Yeah, I'm staying this fat just in case 50 black belts want to take me on. These fights, I'm good padding on them because they're fighting every weekend. So, yeah, all of those things help. But, um, yeah, I think after that day, I was a little bit battered and bruised. Um, but because my students have just gone through it too, mm. so my concern was pretty much for them. I remember one of them got almost knocked out completely with 
I think in round 10, um, some idiot decided to go for a headshot and nearly knock him out. Mm. So he was able to concuss and he was trying to get through that. My wife was actually doing the 50-man commentator. Oh, wow. So wow. that going through through my mind as well. Mm. And, you know, plus my other students who, who were capable. Um, but, but I suppose knowing that my wife was going through it mm. and knowing that one of my students had also popped a fairly severe head trauma um, sort of made me think, well, I've got to stand up strong. I've got to do what these guys are doing. If they're going through it, I've got to do it. Mm. Um, and my mind was sort of more focused again towards them mm. um, than it was for myself. I just wanted to get through it, so I was like, I can be there for them. So afterwards, uh, my, my concern was firstly for my wife, but she was fine. She was ecstatic about it. Yeah. Um, about it, a bruise, of course. <laughs> but, um, it was more so for the other student, John, because um, he was, I think it was 50. Two when huh. he went through that. Wow. So, and, you know, and a big head kick now in, in round 10, which is not a goal because he had off his shoulders, but, wow. um, you know, he kicked his arms up, I suppose. Yeah. Having gone through that experience and with people that you know really well, uh, are, are there any um, takeaways or, or, or is there any anything that kind of comes up for people consistently, like any realisations that they might come across having faced a challenge like that? Is there uh, something that's consistent across all people? Are people changed after such an experience? Yeah, I think there becomes a brotherhood. Mm. And there becomes um, a trust. And I suppose you, you then, you then realise that you belong to a group or a network that have been through have been through a, a particular battle mm. and our system strong tempo is kind of famous for that and got the old school 80s which you this year and then they got the very few people that have braided the black belt mm. since those days um, I've been lucky to have five of them so wow. um, you know to to have that sort of um, that, that brotherhood I suppose you could call it mm. but that being said we with no egos involved, sure you've been able to do this, but you immediately then go and share and and teach others how to do it. You don't keep it to yourself and say, "Well, I belong to an exclusive club." Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 a you know you've got to share that experience. Mm. You know, and you've got to pass it on. You've got to get the next round, the next generation through it. Yeah. And um, I think taking away from it is that you're not. Becoming a fighter, you're becoming a teacher. Yeah. Um, but you, but you've got to take your lumps in order to do that. Yeah. It's almost like um, with uh, overcoming adversity, if you're doing it with other people and relying on them to keep you safe or to teach you the skills that you're going to be using in combat, you know, th- those people are the people that. You, you know, become your friends for life in in a, in a very short amount of time because especially if you're going into certain dangerous situations and then uh, you know you, you're literally relying on them to have your back and then it's like if if everything goes well and you get through whatever it is that you're trying to get through whether it's a hundred men kumite or whether it's you know bouncing in a nightclub or whether it's uh, special forces training or something where it's like it is an extremely physically challenging demanding potentially dangerous um and once you get through that those people the relationships that you form are so much more valuable so 
deeper connected uh, as opposed to you know the, the people you might see at work that you're just doing you know your nine to five all that sort of thing so yeah it's an interesting uh, observation I suppose it's your ability to be able to be as um, uh, more more and honest with those people that yeah um, it was kind of funny too I mean I've, I've got a very strong relationship with my wife and I always have but going through that particular experience together mm. was something because I was also given the opportunity to actually fight her for a last time <laughs> the final boss <laughs> we're the final boss we've reserved this spot for you Matt <laughs> the best out of the best <laughs> now fight <laughs> Bruce Lee outfit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, want, I wonder what most husbands would do in that situation. I, I think everybody's slightly conflicted yeah, by like, that oh, challenge. Uh, uh. What, what did you do in that situation? I, I, I begged my teacher for the opportunity. He said, no, 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 because actually... <laughs> Little did he know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm promise I'll try to There's my chance. <laughs> She's going to thank me for it. That's even better. Wow. <laughs> but, when I was, uh, I was talking to my wife about your laundry list of achievements, actually, and as we're going through, uh, it, it, it was just one thing, and then the next thing just seemed to be more extraordinary than than the one before it and we were going through and my wife kind of looked at me and said is he 130 years old or something <laughs> like how's he achieved so much and it's like yeah I, I didn't quite feel like a failure in life until I started reading this bio but <laughs> I, I, now I'm not so sure um, <laughs> when you've when you've achieved so much and it's such a, a, a high level how how is it that you now set the next challenges and 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 no doubt you do have some and what now sits on your horizon as a uh, as something you'd like to achieve uh, in the next uh, well within the foreseeable future. So then, when these opportunities came up to do things like the fifty minute course, the twelve hour flight and flight in Japan and Thailand and all those things, um, I, so I I I guess I committed to them so much that. And that it, it did take over my life. It, did, um, it, it was a very, very selfish endeavour. Mm. Um, but as any athlete will tell you, I mean, anything like that it has to be a selfish endeavour. Yeah. Um, and it's a funny way to put it because you've got to be, you've got to give to yourself before you give to anybody else. Mm. Um, you well. can't expect to be a giver all the time, all the time which I like to do. But mm. So I have these things on my list that I want to do, and I've got these things on my list that I really want to do now, but I, I kind of can't because I've recently just had to have another complete spinal fusion. Oh, yeah. another one. Oh. So I've sort of had these choices made for me, mm-hmm. and I'm in a position where I've got a few people who've said, oh, look, you know, you said you were going to do the 100-minute commentary, and I was supposed to do it two years ago, but I... Um, I had a hip replaced and I'm 48 years old. Hmm. My daughter's growing up and my club's growing huge and uh, do I keep spending so much time overseas? Do I keep doing these things? Do I keep training six hours a day? Do I keep all this going? Hmm. Um, or do I have to reset now and, you know, and change things? And 
That's been the hardest part is uh, accepting that I can only do what I can do. Yeah. But I was, I, I had the catch up mentality for so long, trying to prove to whoever it was that I thought I was trying to prove to that I could do these things and I mm. was capable. Mm. Um, and trying to make enough of a name for myself so my students could follow up. Yeah. Um, so now my goals are completely different. Um, my goals now are also is to keep myself at a state where, uh, and I'm a long way off, mind you, but um, to be able to start with my students again, mm-hmm. to be able to teach regular classes again, to be able to uh, operate the business here in a, in a good way, which this opportunity is kind of giving me a uh, being not non-physical is giving the opportunity to mm. help my business grow. Um, so I've had to reassess everything, and mentally it's been a really, really tough thing because um, the way that you, you know, your, your self-image and your self-view of yourself changes. Um, and I've got all these people that are new to the club in the last three or four years who have only heard stories of what I've done. Mm. Can only look back and everybody else says, oh, back in the day, he was this and he was mm. do that. And that's really hard to accept. Mm. That mentally is a, is, is a, a barrier I'm trying to overcome now. Mm. Um, but that, you know, I keep telling myself the same thing I tell my students is that things never end up being what you think they're going to be, but they end up better. Mm. Yeah. If, if someone can predict that the people in my life Today, we're going to be the same ones that were in my life uh, 20 years from now. I, I wouldn't have, be- I wouldn't have be- believed you. Mm. The people that are here with me now are not who I thought they were, but they're better. Yeah. And I suppose the direction that I'm heading now is it's not what I thought it was going to be, but I know it's going to be better. Mm. So I'm not quite sure what it's going to go, to be honest with you. Um, if I was given the opportunity uh, to fight again, I think I'd want to do it. But then you see things like Avenger, Avenger Holy Fury, which is had a horrific Yeah, just um, thinking that, yeah. Mm. But the way I see it is, is he went out on his own terms. Well, it's a, there's a real danger, I, I think, uh, for for a lot of elite athletes, people that have uh, really achieved an, an exceptional high level. Uh, well, not just in sport, but but in life, where there might become a time where, in the practical and in the in the technical, they're not as proficient as what they might have been in in their prime, and it, it takes some time to reconcile that in uh, an elite athlete's mind and to recalibrate so that they're then able to establish a legacy that's not in the physical and the technical and is more in the institutional and in creating a space where people can be nurtured, creating a space where people can feel safe, guided, and that ends up being that springboard for the next generation to uh, not just realise what you've come to experience but perhaps even go to the next level and then that becomes part of your legacy and your story, and it sounds like you're in that crossroads now between the the, the physically capable earlier part of your uh, career and and that part now where it's a matter of, well, I have done it and uh, I've I've achieved, and now it's time to pass that on so that others can have the same opportunities, and I can set them up in ways that perhaps wasn't uh, available to me in those earlier days. It's funny, it's all choices. 
Yeah, yeah. It's a it's that moment when your physicality no longer defines uh, who you are and what your legacy is likely to be. It's a it's a very interesting time that I think a lot of people grapple with. And and you've probably come to it a little bit later in life than most because there's a lot of sports people that are retiring. Well, we had Carly Gangel uh, in the studio uh, just a month or so ago, and she was world champion retired by the time she's 22 years old. And so she she'd gone through that very very early on and. Uh, Jordan Biggie Stevens, um, uh, international strongman, retired at the age of 31, uh, talking about the next generation when Matt and I are looking at him thinking, you are the next generation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, so uh, it, that, that self-talk and that understanding as to where you fit within the spectrum of experience is, uh, is a, a really interesting observation and, 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 and interesting because when you do talk to elite athletes, everybody puts themselves somewhere differently on that spectrum. Yeah, absolutely. It's the same with um, that identity that you were talking about before. You know, see that a lot. I was talking about this before with people that um, you know in the gym, and and then you know if they're putting on uh, muscle and they're getting bigger and stronger, and then you know they're getting their compliments and um, you know they wrap their identity around that, and they become I'm a big strong guy, and that's who I am. And then if anything goes wrong, whether they get injured or throughout the process of aging or something, where you know, you're not able to maintain that uh, and then you start to, in your own mind, lose your identity and mm. it's like, oh no, I'm not who I am anymore and you can see the spiral of like, you know, depression or people, that, it, but if they're able to find something, uh, a different meaning or, or a different path or a different thing that they can sort of uh, put their passion and time and effort into, it's like, well, this is, this is me now. And I sort of saw that with uh, you know Dorian Yates, mm. the, who was Mr. Olympia for five uh, or six six time Mr. Olympia, and um, you know enormous enormous bodybuilder. And then when he retired, he was still training just as hard as when he was in the competition in competitive times. But um, I, I remember, I think maybe it was about six months he did that after his retirement. And then one day he was just like. Why am why am I doing this? Why am I trying What's to maintain my purpose? Why am I trying to maintain this this humongous body? Uh, is it to just please the uh, strangers that I don't know that are possibly giving me compliments? You know, because he was so wrapped up in the identity of I'm Mr. Olympia, and when people meet or see me, I must be this enormous guy. Uh, and it wasn't only through the process of maturity that he was able to go, well, no, it, I shouldn't be relying on other people's opinions to form my own self-worth. So, you know, now he, I mean, he still trains because he likes it, but he's not trying to be this enormous monster, you know, just to please anybody else. So, yeah, it's really interesting to hear you you're saying that. It's down to maturity. I think that's... I've been uh, blessed with, 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 with um, my late start and my late fin finish, I suppose, where... Um, I've had the maturity to be able to look at it through older eyes and accept that things are not quite that hard. Um, I think it, it, when I see, especially a young athlete, like that when you're talking about 21 years old, mm. their life has just begun. Um, I've got 21 year olds here that you know, have been started their careers. You know? um, so to have that sort of looming over them is, is, a, is a very sad thing you know, and I think it's, it's, it's up to people um, like us of our age to be able to tell these guys that there's, there's fun on beyond this you know where you guys sitting in the test that you're at now or doing, 10 years ago you probably didn't imagine yourself there <laughs> absolutely no three hours ago <laughs> <laughs> yeah well <laughs> 
and so um, so you, you're you, it, it sounds like you're at work at the moment uh, you've got the banner up in the background so uh, tell us a little bit about uh, uh, how people can find out more about you and, and ultimately how can they learn personally from, from you Casey Reed Martial Arts in Cranbourne Victoria uh, we teach full contact karate of course Brazilian Jiu Jitsu kickboxing um, and we also specialise with self defence class Plus, we've got a full gym and all the PTs and all that stuff. Um, you can jump on the website, www.kcelitemartialarts.com.au. And how has lockdown affected you guys uh, in terms of uh, have fights been postponed? Uh, people have been uh, had their preparation upset? Um, we had a few fights signed up for our kick kickboxing crew in Thailand as well. And of course, all of that's just come grinding to a halt. Um, local competitions are, you know, there's been maybe one or two Fantastic. Well, uh, Matt, thanks so much for your time and, and certainly appreciate uh, you sharing your story with us. And I'm sure there's, well, there's plenty there for people to be able to draw upon for inspiration. And uh, any anybody who's not just looking to uh, become a world champion, but to become the very best person that they can possibly be would be able to learn an enormous amount from the podcast that uh, that we've just shared so uh, thank you very much Matt for being on the uh, podcast and uh, we certainly look forward to chatting to you more again very very soon thank you very much ladies and gentlemen Matthew Charles you've been listening to the daily combat podcast special thanks also go out to our main sponsor real estate agents group This company is growing to become one of South Australia's largest independent real estate groups. With their board of directors with over 100 years of collective real estate industry experience, Real is for real people by real people. Check them out on Facebook under Real Estate Agents Group or visit their website urbanandruralsales.com.au. The Daily Combat Podcast is proudly brought to you by Dave Stockbridge, Isabella Rossitano, and Hollywood Matt Connolly. Make sure to give us a five-star review, as this helps us to continue to promote combat sports in Australia and around the world. You can find out more information about the podcast at dailycombatnews.com. 
You can also follow us on all social media platforms with full video episodes available on YouTube. Just search The Daily Combat Podcast. Thank you again for listening from all of us here at The Daily Combat Podcast team.